Lord, we know that's your vision, and we pray that you would help us participate with you in attaining it. Lord, please use what you say to us through the Bible this morning to help us follow you more with our whole lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. My wife has a friend whose sister loves Christmas, and she just kind of goes all out at Christmas time, decorating, baking, buying presents, sort of a Christmas extravaganza in her house. But one day this woman said to her sister, I think I've gone overboard on this whole Christmas thing. And her sister said, why? And she said, well, my, my four-year-old son came to me this morning and he said, Mommy, I just prayed to have Santa Claus come into my heart. <laughs> a little confusion there between Santa and Jesus. Santa Claus seemed more real to him and for some good reasons. He had direct, actual, physical experience of Christmas, and he saw that it had the power to change his mom's behavior. Whereas Jesus was just a story and words on the page. This is the last in a series of sermons I'm preaching on the four H's. How we energize our spiritual lives by following Jesus with our head, hands, heart, and habits. And just as we need a balanced diet of foods to have physical energy... We need a balanced spiritual diet of these four H's in order to have spiritual energy. And you have to do all four in balance. You can't do just one of them. And today I want to talk about hands. How do we follow Jesus by the way we serve? Because when we serve, it makes Jesus more real. The places that Jesus has been the most real to me in my Christian life have been the places where I have served. Something about serving just gives me energy. Spiritual energy. I think it's because it makes him real. It makes him tangible. It makes him physical. The other three H's are less visible. Head is about what we think. Heart is about what we feel. Habits is what we do to connect with Jesus. But serving with our hands takes what we know, feel, and experience of Jesus and translates it into action that is tangible to us and to other people around us. The scripture we read says, be doers of the word and not just hearers. Otherwise, it's like a man who looks in a mirror and then forgets what he looks like when he walks away. Faith without works is dead. Now, that doesn't mean that in order to get right with God, we have to do a lot of good works to get into heaven. That would contradict the whole New Testament. What it does mean, though, is that Faith, real relationship with Jesus, will result in some tangible deeds in the world. Or it's not alive. If we don't act on what we believe, well then how strong is our belief? Last week my five-year-old daughter got in trouble for fighting with her brother. So she ran off to another room to cry and she started talking to herself and she said, I'm having a terrible day. Everybody is being mean to me. And then when she gets upset, she has this habit of self-parenting. So she started sort of parenting herself. She said, it's okay, Holly. They didn't mean it. (laughs) And actually, we sort of did. (laughs) Now, if at that point I'd have said to her, oh, it's okay, kid, I love you, I'm not sure she would have believed it. It would have just been words. So what I did was I went over, I picked her up, I hugged her, held her for a while, and we talked about it. My love for her produced an action. It wasn't just words. And it's the same in our relationship with Jesus. If it doesn't produce any action on our part, well then how real is it? How alive is it? 
Just like a plant that doesn't bear any leaf or flower, a relationship with Christ that bears no good deeds is dead. But it goes even deeper than that. Because I think if faith without works is dead, what killed it was probably the lack of works. Because if we don't exercise our relationship with Jesus, if we don't exercise our faith, it dies. When I did student ministry, I used to take students on retreats a couple times a year. And I'd get these great speakers to come in, and we'd have great music. I'd feed them with lots of chocolate because nothing makes you feel spiritual like chocolate. We'd build a campfire, we'd sing, we'd share until everyone was saying things like, I love you, man, and this is the best retreat ever. I mean, we'd get to a full ten on the kumbayometer. And everyone would sort of come back all supercharged up spiritually, but as soon as we hit Bay Area traffic, poof, it was gone. Now, at the retreat, we had a lot of good head knowledge, we had a lot of heart connection, we had a lot of good spiritual habits, but it all evaporated unless we did something with what we learned, felt, and experienced. That's why following Jesus with our hands by serving is so important. Because it's as we serve that Jesus becomes tangible, real, physical. In two ways. First, when we follow Jesus with our hands by serving, Jesus becomes more real to the people around us. As you've heard me say, seven out of ten Americans think that Christianity is irrelevant. And I think the reason they think that is because they've heard us Christians talk about it, but they haven't seen us really do anything about it. We haven't lived it out. We haven't served them as Jesus would. And in our postmodern culture, that's not going to show anybody Jesus. Words are very suspect these days. I mean, you know, we've seen politicians in the media spin the truth. Pastors have turned out to be hypocrites. Only action convinces in our culture. As it says in the passage we read today, if someone is in need and we say, go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, but don't supply their bodily needs, well, what good is that? That's why it says, let us love, not in word or in speech, but in truth and in action. I read a study by some sociologists a couple years ago who say that we are now living in what they call an experience economy. And to sort of chart that as an example, they use the development of what happens around birthdays in our culture. It used to be when you had a birthday, you knew that your mom loved you if, if she got some flour and eggs and baked you a cake. They called that a goods economy. In the 70s, you knew your mom loved you because she went out and she bought Betty Crocker and she made you a cake. That was called a convenience economy. But then in the 90s, what happened to kids' birthdays? You started to go to a place, a very special place, called Chuck E. Cheese's. And it was no longer a birthday party. It was a birthday experience, right? And it's just getting worse. I mean, my, my five-year-old just went to a birthday party a couple weeks ago. They went to this place with inflatable slides and bouncy things. And now all she can talk about is, when it's my birthday, I want to go to the inflatable bouncy place, right? We live in a culture of experiences. Concerts, movies, Super Bowl, Las Vegas, you name it. And in such a culture, the only way people are really going to know who Jesus is, is if they have an experience of him. Through how we serve. Through us. The author Reggie McNeil tells a story about his wife who went to, with a group of other Christians, after 9-11, to clean out apartments that were near the World Trade Center. The apartments had had their windows blown out. Everything was covered with debris. These people were paying thousands of dollars to have them clean professionally. This group of Christians did it for free. 
Wherever they went, they were asked three questions. Who are you? What are you doing? And why are you doing it? Well, by the time they answered those first two questions, they could have said anything in response to the why are you doing it question, and people would have listened. Because they believed something so strongly that it caused them to inconvenience themselves to serve others. So whenever they were asked, they said, you know what, they just were able to say, we're doing this in response to who Jesus is. When we follow Jesus with our hands by serving, it makes him more real to those around us. But it's more than that. In my experience, when I follow Jesus with my hands by serving, it also makes him more real to me. And I believe it would do so for you as well. You know, the things we do physically, in our bodies, are more real to us than the things we just think in our heads or feel in our hearts. It's like riding a bike or driving a stick shift or golf. You can read about it all you want, but until you do those things physically, they don't seem real to you. They're just ideas. But once you do them physically, they become real. Except for golf, which just becomes real frustrating when you try to do it. (laughs) Better to read about that one. But the others... Yeah, and once you do it, you never forget how. It becomes a part of you. It becomes real. My wife has not ice skated in years. This winter, she's decided to slap on a pair of skates, hit the ice, poof. She remembered how to do it. Because it's a part of who she is. Because she did it. It was an action. It's the same with our faith. We can have all the head knowledge about Jesus in the world. We can have a great heart connection to Jesus. Our spiritual habits can be fantastic. And those three H's are important. But if it doesn't get to our hands, if we don't act on it, it'll never be real to us. It'll never seem real. It'd be as if we wanted to form a bike riding club, but, but then all we did was we said, well, let's see, how would we do this? Well, first we need a committee to study it, and maybe a few seminars to learn how people ride bikes in other churches. Maybe fly in a guest preacher who has ridden a bike before, preferably in Africa. And then as a pastor, I would stand up and I would say something like, now, we're not all called to actually ride a bike. It's really more of a metaphor for all forms of vehicular transportation. No, Nike got it right. Just do it. And when you do, bike riding becomes more than a theory or an idea. It becomes real. As a matter of fact, it becomes fun. Doing makes it more real. It's when we love others with Christ's love that we begin to experience it as real in our hearts. After hearing all my sermons in the last year on the meaning of Jubilee and how we want to serve our community as a response to everything Jesus has done for us in the last 50 years, one of our members emailed me and said that she was baking banana bread one Sunday afternoon after one of these Jubilee sermons. And as she was about to bite into the first loaf, she asked her five-year-old daughter, What would Jesus do with this bread? Would he eat it all or would he share some of it? I thought that was kind of a trick question, but the five-year-old said Jesus would share it. Yes, right answer. So they wrapped up half the banana bread, started driving around their neighborhood, and this woman let her daughter pick out three houses at random that they'd give the bread to. Well, in one house, there was a divorced fireman living alone. The other, there was a group of Microsoft people who were all living together in one house. And in the third, there was a widow and her two teenage boys. And every one of them asked, why are you doing this? And she was able to say, well, we've been talking in church about how it's important to serve our community, and that's why we're doing it. And then in her email, she said, is this what you mean by Jubilee? Yeah. Someone got it anyway. That's great. You know, acts 
of service that show our community who Jesus is. She served, and suddenly Jesus became more real. To her, her neighbors, her five-year-old daughter. Remember, kids that serve with their parents have a better chance of staying Christian as as adults because they've seen it translate into action in their parents' lives. You see, this is, I mean this to be an invitation, not some kind of guilt trip or burden thing. You know, oh great, now i got to serve. Guess I'll do it on Tuesday. It's meant to be an invitation to see Jesus, to experience Jesus, to know he's real. More than head knowledge, more than just what we do at church, that he is a real person. It's an invitation to know him more. And tons of you are already doing this. That's what's so great about this church. Tons of you are already doing this. So you can ignore this sermon. Just, if you haven't already been doing that, just, just keep it up. The doing, the thing, not the, not the ignoring, the doing. You know what I mean. Others of you, your whole life is service because maybe that's your job or you've got kids at home or, you, or you've got aging parents you're taking care of. The question for you is not should you do more. Probably not. The question for you is how can Jesus be more a part of it? How can you invite him in more? Maybe by praying for the people you serve, uh, as some of our doctors do, so that it becomes more than just doing good deeds, but it becomes filled with the Holy Spirit who makes those good deeds point to Jesus. And I know we're all busy, all of us are busy, but serving doesn't have to add that much time to our schedule. You just do it as part of what you're normally doing. At work or in your neighborhood, like this woman and her banana bread mission, right? Didn't take much extra time. She was baking the bread anyway. And some of us may need to cut a few things out of our schedule so we can serve and know Jesus better. And there's no shortage of opportunities. There's no shortage of... I mean, you can serve in the church, teach in Sunday school, or any number of things. You can serve outside the church, a mission trip. Go on the crop walk. Help feed someone who's hungry. Again, the workday at Stevenson, August 13th, a great chance to serve. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. Stuff there for kids, everything from kids to grandparents, everyone can be a part of it. We'll get to build relationships with each other and the people from Stevenson. Come back here, have dinner, have worship. It's going to be fun. I'm going to be there. It's going to be fun. And yeah, I know it's summertime and we Northwesterners like to keep our options open just in case the weather might be nice. It's possible. It's happened before. But you know what? I've already talked to God about the weather, and I've arranged a deal with him. It's not going to rain so we can do the work, but it's going to be cloudy and cold, so there's nothing else you're going to want to do anyway. So I've spoiled it for you. You might as well come. When we serve, we see Jesus. I have a friend who went on a mission trip to Cuba, and the group he went with insisted on riding around the slums of Havana in an air-conditioned limousine. And then they'd pop out in the middle of these neighborhoods and go door to door and read a tract and then ask people to become a Christian. And it made my friend very uncomfortable to be so far removed from the people they were supposedly there to serve. Well, at one of the houses they went to, there was a six-year-old boy who had a bad eye disease that was making him go blind. And my friend just felt all this compassion for this boy. But everyone said, don't go near him. His eye disease is contagious. You'll go blind too. But my friend couldn't stand it, so he went over, picked up the boy, and held him on his lap. And then later he played a game of catch with him and wrestled with him. And as he did that, he realized that that's what he was there for. Not to read religious tracts to someone, not to give them a bunch of words or arguments, but to give them words made flesh. 
to take what he believes and live it out in his body, through his hands, as he serves. And he said Jesus was more real to him in that moment than any church service he'd ever attended. And probably more real for that little boy, too. Because, you see, that's who Jesus is. He's a servant. God himself, who came in human form, who came to serve us. He taught us. He loved us. At one point, even washed his disciples' feet. Died for us to show us how much he loves us. Because he wants to be in a relationship with us. That's who he is. He doesn't stay in the air-conditioned heaven. He came down here to serve us so we could know him. So we could be in relationship with him. Because that's what he wants. No matter how contagious we are, and we all are. No matter how bad or good, rich or poor, sinful or sinless, anything that we might be, that's who Jesus is. And when we serve, we show that to ourselves and to the world around us. The foundational doctrine of Christianity is the Incarnation. God himself became human. The New Testament says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Or as Eugene Peterson puts it, the Word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. For centuries, God had been talking to his people in the Old Testament, talking to them over and over again, but they just kept running away from him. You see, words, even God's words, don't mean much unless they become flesh. And that's what service does. It takes our words and beliefs and makes them flesh. This is the last sermon on the four H's. And what I'd like to do is just invite you to take one of those booklets. They're in the back if you don't have one. And just spend some time this week thinking about where you might be out of balance on these four H's. And where you might want to invest some time so that you can know Jesus more. Maybe it's the head part. You want to know him more. Or maybe it's opening up your heart or working on some habits. But for many of us, it will be how we serve others with our hands. You know, for a long time, the image that people in our culture have had of Christianity has been something like this. A pulpit. Words from pastors like me coming to you from on high. Isn't that a great pulpit? I think we need one like that. <laughs> so that I can get up there and sort of talk at you, you know, I am reverend, I am doctor, hear me roar, right? And you will listen or pretend to, because that's what it means to be a Christian, right? The word became flesh, but ever since we preachers have been turning it back into words again. I think in the future, our experience of Jesus needs to look a little bit more like this. Because when we serve, when it's not just about words, but words made flesh, well, that returns us to our roots, which look like this. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you didn't just stay safe in heaven. Lord, but that you came to serve us and to love us. Lord, help us to receive that. Help us to know how much you love us. Help us to know that you then love us so much you invite us to participate with you and what you're doing in the world. And help us to respond. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.